2: Welcome back to another episode of the Bearcast. we're back week two is now in the books uh for college football how did you spend your your college football saturday andy other than
3: other than crying other than, yeah um <laughs> um i actually had a couple of friends over for a barbecue and we just watched a lot of their early games and um None of them were particularly interesting, to be honest. No, every single one of them was pretty much a blowout. So then we went hung out by the pool, came back to watch. My buddy went to Oregon, so I had that game on, and then we also had the Cal game on. And one of my friends from the good old Cal days, who's on the rugby team, came by and watched the game and uh, into the into the wee night. How about you?
2: I pretty much did the same thing. I was up watching the other games uh, and just. Just sat on the couch literally watching all the games. I was being really lazy. Uh, But, yeah, because of that, I happened to catch the Central Michigan. Oh, nice. Hail Mary. Uh, I don't know how that happened. I just – I was watching and then I flipped through the channels and I saw that with like, you know, at the very end of the game. And I saw that they had to give the – they were it was fourth down with like a couple seconds left. So I was like, all right, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe something happens. Um, and then he throws the ball away and and i t- first, the first thing I thought to myself as soon as he threw the ball away was okay the, it definitely had to be an intentional grounding call because there was no wide receiver in the area everyone was on the line i didn't i didn't know late, later on you know they they talked about the whole spiel about it right how if it's an offensive pl- uh intentional grounding call that results or if it's an o- offensive penalty that results in the in the loss of a down. And the clock has expired, um, the game is over. If it's an offensive position, if it's if it's a defensive play that results in the loss of a down, then the game continues. Hmm. So I don't know that that rule seems kind of weird to me. Yeah, they'll probably change it. Yeah, because just just from this this instance alone, if they actually in, ruled you know by the rule book, then. Oklahoma State wins despite th- uh, intentionally grounding the ball to end the game. Like, it
3: yeah, It feels like you shouldn't yeah, be able to win a game by purposely doing a penalty. Yeah,
2: game. exactly. So, yeah, they'll probably have to change that rule. But, I mean, that throw um, <laughs> and then the, the, the falling back and kind of a little hot potato to the, the other wide receiver. And then he the, runs all the way around and breaks the plane and scores. The, oh, my goodness. I... Wow.
3: That was awesome. That was – yeah. It, it was, was a really nice play for whoever that was on Oklahoma State to come over and nearly stopped him and prevented him from getting into the end zone.
2: It was a well-designed play. I mean they knew who they wanted to throw to. They knew the trailer – like the trailer's guy's job was to follow that wide receiver and just make sure to catch the ball when he – when he uh, what's it? Lateraled it back to him like uh, and he knew exactly he was going to kick back outside, and there was going to be a couple blockers as wide receivers that were down with him. and Ran it to perfection. That was
3: awesome. It's a great play. Yeah, I play of
2: the year. That, that I think that cements it as the play of the year. I, is there anything? That, I don't know. I don't. There's not a lot that could probably top it. Um, I mean, granted, there's still how many weeks we're early in the year? We're very early in but the year. But that's
3: such a leading. That's such an – lead candidate. <laughs>
2: right. Cuz that's what we thought last year with the whole if I remember correctly the whole Iron Bowl touchdown thing. Mm-hmm. Um not the not the kick not the missed field goal but the like the the throw that gets hit off the helmet and then the other guy catches it and then runs it for the touchdown. Um or no it wasn't the Iron Bowl it was the Old Miss Old Miss Auburn game. Uh but then you know the whole Michigan State Michigan thing happened as well and then everyone was like that's the play of the year. Um, so there's still a lot left. Still a lot of football left to play, but that was crazy. And then the Texas A&M game, they scored sixty-seven or sixty, yeah, sixty-seven against Prairie View. I've never even heard of the school before, uh, and Prairie View scored zero. So it's quite a, <laughs> quite a win.
3: It's That's uh the right there. Yeah,
2: you, you think that the UCLA game might have uh, lifted their spirits and given some, <laughs> given
3: them some confidence? I think so. He dropped sixty-seven the following week. I, I, <laughs> it just makes me bummed that we didn't play someone like Prairie View in our second. You know, like <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a bummer, but I understand. It's nice to to go and play against a quality opponent, but it's also nice to have your team just be able to drop a ridiculous amount of points <laughs> on some like really underqualified <laughs> opponent and make you feel great going into a huge game at home against Texas. So. Good job. Good job. Good job, someone. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I the scheduling for me it's one of those things where like it's the toss up, right? Would you rather play an FCS team or like increase your strength of schedule by playing someone that just might who, lose who to? Even count? I don't know. I think remember
3: it, there was that thing with us last year when we played whoever it was with the really Grambling and Grambling State. Was it Grambling State? Yeah. Yeah, and they were saying that for some reason, that maybe the win would be taken away because of something to do with Grambling not qualifying as an opponent. So yeah. that, there is that danger.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that was a whole issue about the school. Like it's like the number. If I remember, if I remember correctly, and don't don't take my word for granted. Uh, yeah, but if I remember correctly, it was something about the student attendance, like at the university, has to be a certain amount to be qualified as an FCS school. Hmm. Um, or I mean, even with, even with an FBS school, like you have to have a certain number of student attendance granted with the, the big schools in the FBS years, you're, you're not going to be like on the cusp, like borderline in terms of student attendance. Um, but I think it was that, I think that was the case where they, they might not have qualified athletically or like to be able to do anything because of the student body size. Hmm. Um, but I think it was all cleared, I mean, which gave us the win. So. That was a, yeah, that was a little bit of a question mark towards the end of the year. Like, would it count? Like, if it didn't, that means we wouldn't go to a bowl game. Unless we beat Arizona State. Exactly. But we ended up doing that, so cleared us from that.
3: All right. Any other highlights from the weekend? Um, we're going to talk about one later. I yeah. watched a couple of the like, – I watched the Washington State game. Some of the Pac-12 games? Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but some other uh,
2: – just some random news. I mean, this is – this is a Sunday we're recording on a Sunday Keenan Allen out with a a apparent knee injury uh, with about a couple minutes left to play in the first half he went down he was in tears Uh, he came he was carted off and he was in tears Um, it was a non-contact he was just running around planted and then he went to ground so you know those injuries are the worst right like the contact injuries are contact injuries but like when you see guys go down from non contact, like you know, something bad just happened. Um, and so I'm wishing all the best to him. I know you and I both had him in fantasy, and we, I, we, I think we were both hoping for great big years for him. I definitely am because I'm a charger fan as well. So, double blow, D- yeah, 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 triple blow, actually, yeah, Cal alum, yeah, owner yeah, and, uh, and a charger fan, yeah, triple blow, triple. So, yeah, it sucks. Uh, but I'm wishing he has a speedy recovery and yeah. hopefully it's not as bad as we think. I mean they're saying it's an ACL tear, but they do need to do some more tests on him.
3: Maybe it's uh, just the Steph Curry MCL. Maybe it is. Maybe <laughs> it is. I don't think
2: so. Brian Brian Cushing had a MCL tear today too for the oh, for really the Texans. What that was? Yeah, and they said that's five to six weeks. So better MCL tear mm-hmm. totally. than an ACL tear. Mm-hmm. If I if I had the option of choosing one or the other. Yep. Um, so, yeah, here's to hoping that it's not something serious and that he comes back stronger and better. On to Cal football.
3: Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Toughest job in the world. Yes. Yep. Being a Cal fan. Yep. It's the hardest one. Any yep. other job is easier. Yeah. Even the whole way that game played out, as you said, just to have us, it's almost like they build you up just to knock you down one more pig. You know, it's like, oh, great. We magically recovered an onside kick that we're never supposed to recover. And we're going to drive down the field. And then, uh, of course, we're, instead of going for the end zone, we're going to throw an out route for five yards and have their amazing corner who we shouldn't throw out anyways (laughs) Pop the ball in the air and... and, and the Mountain
2: it. West Defensive Player of the Year from last year. Like that's the you. one
3: you want to run the out against to get the five-yard first down? Like, um, one of many mind-blowing decisions that took place during the game. I did
2: not understand some of the happenings that happened in that, but...
3: I don't know why Davis Webb loves throwing into double coverage. You called that very early on. He's <laughs> like, if he keeps doing this, he's going to throw interceptions, and then boom, boom.
2: It's like, like, two plays later, he threw his first one. Yeah. It was crazy.
3: You know, I in what world is throwing t- <laughs> two guys in? Like, it doesn't. It's uh, tough, man. Still, still dealing with the ramifications of that game. Yeah. All right. Let's start. Let's we let's. Uh, if you
2: didn't get to watch the Washington game, or if you don't know anything that happened, we'll give you the lowdown right now. Cal plays San Diego State in San Diego. It's a rematch of last year. Uh, Cal loses forty to forty-five. Uh, San Diego State was led by their. Now Heisman candidate, Donnell Pumphrey, uh, who ran 29 times for 281 yards and three touchdowns. His average from 29 carries was
3: 9.7. Did you know he broke Marshall Falks? He did. He did. It was hard to tell <laughs> <laughs> last night on the broadcast. Yeah. I don't know if they mentioned it enough times. Yeah.
2: Did, I, did he – did he just get by or do you think he smashed that record this game? I I don't know. I mean <laughs> Yeah, I mean let me let me just simply put, here's what happened. Uh first quarter, six minutes eleven seconds left. SDSU, Rashad Penny, 25 yard touchdown pass. Four minute nineteen seconds, Cal, Bug Rivera, 33 yard touchdown pass. Rashad
3: sure Penny came after the turnover though.
2: Yes, that did. Yeah. Four minutes, three seconds, Rashad Penny, 100-yard 100 y- 100 kickoff return for touchdown. Uh, one minute, 31 seconds in the first quarter, Chad Hanson, 49-yard touchdown pass from Davis Webb. So that was- first quarter ends 14-14. Second quarter, 14 minutes, 22 seconds left, Donnell Pumphrey, 33-yard touchdown run. 11 minutes, 20 seconds left, Raymond Hudson, 21-yard 20 yard touchdown pass. Six minutes, 22 seconds left, Ronnie Laka Laka. By the way, brother of the other Laka Laka we played from Hawaii. I was like,
3: why am I hearing this name again? Yes.
2: Nine-yard TD pick six. Um, 38 seconds left. John Barron, 39-yard field goal. So at the end of the half or at the – yeah, at the end of the first half, it was 31-21. Third quarter, eight minutes, 40 seconds left. Donnell Pumphrey, 57-yard touchdown run. Seven minutes, 52 seconds left. Demetrius Robertson, 59-yard touchdown pass. 2 minutes, 56 seconds left, Matt Anderson, 45-yard field goal. So, end of third quarter, 31-38, still within reach. Fourth quarter, 13 minutes, 27 seconds left, Matt Anderson, 36-yard field goal, 34-38. 2 minutes, 47 seconds left, Donnell Pumphrey, 4-yard touchdown run, 45-34. We all thought the game was over now. Until... 56 seconds left. Raymond Hudson, two-yard touchdown pass from Davis Webb. 45-40. We did not convert the, two, uh, the two-point conversion. Right afterwards, what happens? Beto with quite possibly the most beautiful onside kick I have ever seen in my life. That bounce was perfect, um, and it—the bounce wasn't even straight. It was—it went straight up, but it was to the right. Um, so it, it just sailed right over the SDSU receiver who was running towards um, the Cal uh, hands team. And then Darren Brown just jumps up and grabs it right over his helmet um, and lands. And that was, I think, with about 48 seconds left, 48, 47 seconds left, so we could – we can march down the field. We could, we could try and win this. We just need a touchdown, um, in which we do. We march down, we march down, and then a couple of penalties help save us, um, and we convert. We get another first down, another first down. We're at, I think, the 22-yard line, uh, and then Davis – or no, we're at like the 30-something. Davis Webb over, overthrows Chan Anson by about six inches. Um, and that could have been to the house touchdown. He split on a post route, wide open. Split the two safeties. It was wide open. But then the following play, we gain another couple yards, um, and then and then he throws to Vic Wharton, who, not by his fault at all, um, is covered by the Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year last year, uh, Kazee, and Kazee tips the ball. Tips it again, catches the ball, interception, game, set, match. There's your recap. Game, set, blouses. <laughs> let me let me just – I did the recap for this game uh, last night and my quarter by quarter, I took the titles of uh, top 50 Billboard songs right now to describe the quarters. Let, let me read it to you and tell me if it fits.
3: I read the – I mean – yeah I read
2: this the first quarter (laughs) the first quarter Calvin Harris Rihanna this is what you came for this is what we came for a shootout 14-14 like this is like this is what we wanted to see the second quarter cheap thrills or cold water or work alright I think yeah it was the the game was cheap thrills the game was pouring cold water and we had a lot of work to do
3: is that a country song? (laughs) which one? That one. Work? No, it's three different songs. I know. Never mind.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The third quarter, I hate you, I love you. Yes. Yes. It was a very I hate you and then oh, God, Cal football, I love you. And then oh, I hate you again. The fourth quarter, don't let me down. But what happened?
3: We were let down. We were let down.
2: (laughs) Let down. I tweeted this out after the game. I said,
3: That was nice. I like that. That was well done. Thank you.
2: Thank you. I tweeted it out after the game. I said, All's right in the universe because Cal lost in the most Cal way possible. I felt like if we had t- scored that touchdown by any means, like the universe would have ended tomorrow. Like the apocalypse would have happened. Zombies would have arisen and, you know, like vampires come out of the woods. Like it, it, I think everything like bad possible could have happened because that it. That type of good thing don't just don't happen to us.
3: It, it doesn't
2: just doesn't. Um, so <laughs> it doesn't make it any less It doesn't. It doesn't. But it didn't make it funnier. It did. It did not make it hilarious. All right. Let's go over some of the stats. I mean we went over the game recap. We're looking at this. SDSU has a team. 7.1 yards a carry. Cal has a team. 3.7 yards a carry. That's off of only 22 rush attempts and SDSU had 47. 47.
3: 47. I, yeah. And we looked at that just so our listeners know. We looked at this and, you know, the 3.7 yards per carry factor in Davis Webb's sack. So if you remove that, it's actually 19 carries for 103 yards, which actually comes out to being right around five. Point four yards per carry, which is a pretty decent average for our run game. I think that's a great average. I mean, you,
2: yeah. I mean, just just looking at the average alone, right? You hand off twice; that's a first down.
3: Yeah. No, I mean, effectively, if you did that every play, <laughs> great. yeah, and a little bit more management of the clock, all that good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, that's like, yeah, decent doesn't describe that well. It's above average for sure on the ground.
2: I mean, some good stats from the game. I mean, Chad Hansen had himself another amazing game. 14 receptions, 190 yards, and a touchdown. I think that puts him at 30 receptions, like close to 30 receptions on the season. I think he might have broken 30 as well. I 30, don't know. Do
3: right? he, he have 16 in his first game? I think he has
2: 16, night? yeah. So that, that puts him at 30. 30 receptions in your first two games. My goodness, that man is having himself a season. Look at his targets. <laughs> yeah, he had 22 targets. So... <laughs>
3: Man, he's looking one way a lot.
2: Very, very. And uh, we said that in our in our Slack chat between the Golden Blogs riders. I wrote, I wrote, if he keeps throwing to Hanson's way, one of them's going to get picked. And what happened? A couple plays later, as soon as I said that, he gets picked.
0: Uh,
2: I yeah. I Dylan
3: Clump
2: had a nice game. Yep, yep. Dylan Clump did did punt the ball put the ball very well, um, and. I mean Davis Webb you look at it, he threw 72 times.
3: Yeah, it's it's
2: nuts. He so so yeah, this is the stat we were looking for, right? He threw, so we threw 72 times. So 72 pass plays versus 19 design runs. 19 design runs. Yeah.
3: That's it's just it's an abysmal ratio.
2: That's a terrible ratio. Despite the fact that
3: our run game
2: was effectively averaging about 5 yards carry. I don't <laughs>
3: Yeah, let's talk about that in the nightmare section. That's going to be like my main topic of conversation. All right, so let's... let's the other thing, though, with, interestingly with the stats that yeah. I saw last night when I was looking them over, was that if you look at our punt returns, we had zero yards. <laughs> it's kind of shocking. And it wasn't like we were fair catching on everyone. We had, we had a Vic few... We had a couple fair catches. And Vic Bosch, We had a couple fair catches, but we also had the the one that Vic tried to take without fair catching it, and then actually ended up fumbling and recovering it. Yeah. And... Um, but there's other yeah. I mean, I always thought that we were going to put Stovall and or like Robertson back there and see what they could do. I understand they're young and you want to put someone in there with hands. Yeah, so you I think that was over. the the bigger reason. But zero yards on a putt return is is actually pretty bad. Yeah, but I don't know. I guess San Diego State you know, they only had three opportunities. They had 46 yards. Yeah, uh, I know this is going to be
2: hard to come by, but do you have any favorite moments from the game?
3: Um, Yeah, I think, I mean, my favorite, one of my favorite moments was just seeing Vic being unstoppable on the ground. People are not trying to arm tackle him, and he's just going right through him. It was very Marshawn-esque. It was. He doesn't have the shiftiness that Marshawn has, where he's like, will bounce it one way or the other. And I see that in Trey a lot more. But just to have that, like, thunder and lightning combo and those two going and seeing what they can bring, it was really exciting. We haven't had that in a long time. Um, And I I was actually pretty excited with the way that Davis Webb can throw the ball under pressure. And, I mean, there were a couple times where he's flat-footed and he's throwing this ball right into his receiver and uh, through some traffic, and those are great plays. And it's almost like the Brett Favre conundrum, right? Because then you have to deal with the... The gunslinger, when he throws into double coverage and deal with that. But I was impressed. A lot of his long balls, like that throw to Chad Hansen was on the money. His throw to Demetrius was on the money. Like Those are hard. You can easily overthrow those. And for the most part, he seemed to be pretty on target with those.
2: I think the bigger thing that – I mean I'm just going to say this little side note um, about it. was A lot of people were bagging on how Davis Webb is, was bad. Right? How he didn't. He ended up not delivering. Um, for me, to a certain degree, yes, but also to a certain point, like people people forget to realize we were very lucky to have Jared for three years, playing with the same base, the, basically the same wide receiver core for about three years. I mean, the only big loss he had was Chris Harper, who left early for the NFL. I mean, everyone else who were his favorite targets stayed behind. You build a repertoire with these guys. Um, And no matter how much time you spent over one summer, isn't the equivalent of spending three fall camps and three spring camps and three full seasons with the same receivers. Um, A lot more goes into than just throwing the ball to where a wide open receiver is. Like it's, there's a lot more timing involved. Like you need to know how your wide receivers are going to come out of their breaks, how far they come out of their breaks, like what their top speed is, is when they're, you know, making the cut and coming out like it, it's a lot more than just understanding, oh, he's running a corner route, he's running a post route, he's running a 10-yard down and in, and he's running a, an option Z route. Like it, it, There's a lot more that goes into than just knowing the plays that are happening.
3: But what I will say is the thing about Jared, if you look at it, just Jared Davis Webb, and you're making that comparison – The biggest thing about Jared is it's not like he didn't throw interceptions as we saw with the Utah game. It's that he generally didn't make the same mistake twice and especially against like inferior, maybe not like inferior, but like these teams that you go in and you expect to beat. Like just last year's San Diego State game, we played a very like, and that was the thing that I asked you earlier was about the turnover margin and the fact that Tony Franklin was laser focused on winning that you know, making sure that Jared's touchdown to interception ratio was this figure. If it's this figure, then we're going to win, you know. Um, and it didn't seem like we had that approach. And that was what was missing for me was 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 really that. And so that was the biggest difference, I think, in seeing, like, it's not that he misses the passes because I understand that he's not going to be as accurate as Jared is. There's a reason why Jared's in the NFL right now and the number one overall pick. But the turnover stuff and the interception stuff is—it's a new thing for us to deal with. We haven't had to deal with that for the better part of two years, outside of maybe one or two games where we did, and it was like, "What the world is fault? Like the world's ending?" Jared threw five interceptions. What is wrong with the world? Next week he's back doing his thing. Yeah, you know, one thing I was happy
2: about with Davis Webb was that uh, apparently in the post-game conference he he basically said, "It's my fault we lost the game," Um, and. You know, just just seeing from him in practice and seeing him just in games, uh, he's. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. He's he's a fiery guy. Like he's is very very into the game. He's very emotional about what he does and what he makes mistakes of. Um, and I'm. I think that's a big thing for me moving forward. I mean, it's still a long season. We got. We got. We, we'll talk about the preview for next week's game, but there's there's so much that he's going to learn and grow with these with he's going to have growing pains like it's just with this team you're going to have growing pains and yeah I, it's it's good to see that he's still taking responsibility he's he knows that he's the grad transfer he knows he's only here for one year so he's not putting the onus on the on the younger guys he's making sure that if the blame comes like when it boils down to it it's going to be on me, and which it, which it pseudo was yesterday because it's because we couldn't we had the game winning drive and we just couldn't deliver in the end. Um, but it is good to see that he's he's basically saying, "Hey, it, it's my mistake. You guys just keep
3: doing it, like just keep getting better." I like that he's accountable for it, but I also think it it doesn't really fall on his shoulders, in my opinion, from the yeah. games as, as much as it falls on the coaches. Yeah, you're only as good as the people that are leading you, and. And if they're calling those plays and you're executing them and it's leading to throw, like, these passes that seem like... You know, these passes are just like, whoa, like, what? You know, and so to some degree, yeah, it falls on him, but to some other degree, it falls on the coaches. And, yep. uh, preparation and special teams play and turnovers, like, a lot of the... I mean, there were turnovers in this game that led directly to points that were not on him at all. And if those go our way or don't happen, then, you know, he's playing... He's leading the drive down the field trying to get a couple first downs to seal the victory rather than to have to score a touchdown mm-hmm. to win the game.
2: Yeah. I really do want to go back and look at those inter- – the plays where he threw the interceptions just because I want to see if – was it his decision to throw into those? Like or
3: yeah. was
2: it just, just – that, that was the only guy that was open? Like it just – happened, like he just had to throw there?
3: Don't look at the Laka Laka one because that yeah, one – Yeah, like, not, was yeah. The, the worst. Yeah, receiver. that was just a bad throw. And he thought he could. That was him being like, I can make this throw because, in, in my opinion, if I were to put myself in the shoes, he saw the linebacker here. He saw his wide receiver that was trailing out behind him. And if he put the ball behind, like, he,
2: just over like, the reach of the, yeah, the linebacker, he would go out of reach. Yeah. But
3: he didn't anticipate him being able yeah. to anticipate the pass. And that's stupid. That's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> so dumb.
2: <laughs> All okay. right, let's move on to nightmare moments. What was what was your nightmare moment
3: of the game? I was screaming about it all game. Just the fact that we just completely abandoned the run as a team. I thought we were effectively controlling and moving the ball downfield. One of our better drives was when Vic had set it, or at least I don't know if I think it might have ended up in a field goal or I'm not sure. If it yeah, it was like
2: a 13 yarder, and then it was like another like six yarder. Like it was
3: and he was just yeah. unable to be stopped, and it just, why not feed the hot hands, feel like a Seattle Seahawks here, right? You got this guy that can't be stopped, but you're going to pass the ball, and risk an interception happening, or risk a turnover, so the nightmare moments come from you and the coaching staff saying, we're going to throw the ball 72 times, and only run it in a designed way 19 times.
2: Yeah, I mean, if we had if we had an issue in terms of the fumbling or anything, then
3: then yeah, I think that would have been an issue, but... We didn't even have an issue with like tackle for loss. Like there were, Yeah, it, it, it just gets me frustrated. I was really frustrated with it all game. It's not like their, their defensive statistics are, like, look at these tackle for losses. Like, there's five? That's not a massive figure here. No. And if there's sacks involved, which two of those five are, then we're looking at three plays that were for negative yardage. Every other play from our running back, you could make the case it was positive. So why in the world you would leave that and abandon that and then also allow the defense to get comfortable by playing back more and almost putting yourself your quarterback in a situation where the defense knows you are going to throw the ball and everyone in the stadium knows you are going to throw the ball. And last year when we were so inept with the ball that we ran it for two yards and for three yards just to keep teams honest against it, when you finally have that opportunity and you're doing it right, you... And it's you not for wait. the
2: sake of keeping it honest. It's, it's actually effective.
3: Yeah, right? we finally had an effective run game and we literally shelved it for the majority of the second half.
2: I mean, this was... We talked about this right before we started recording. This was one of the games where I said, call a draw. I... <laughs> the San Diego State defense runs a three-three-five. They only send one or two guys off a blitz, which means... Which means... Even with the three guys, that's that's one-on-one for every lineman If they send five guys at us, right? It's not like it's a 3-4 base where they send two extra guys from the linebacking core, where one O-lineman is going to get overrun. Like it's not – that's not the case. So unless they do a full engage eight, like there's no way that our O-lineman couldn't have opened up a gap for that. I mean especially because – we're keeping them honest because they realize we're throwing a lot, which means they're going to sit back. They're not going to press. They're going to give our guys space and just play the sticks, which they did. And then what? We, have, we can easily eat up the five, six yards that they're giving us every time that we hand off. Then when they start pressing because they realize we're just going to keep doing that, then we throw over the top with the guys that we have, the
3: Hansons, the, the Robertsons, the Stovalls. The, I mean – The only times we didn't beat them over the top that game – was when we started – we didn't have to keep them honest with the run. Exactly. But we had the top open the whole first half. Yeah. And then I'm sure Rock and Long went in there and was like, we're going to beat over the top. But it was two things. I'm sure it was their coaching adjustment, but it was also the fact that we didn't keep them honest with the ground game and then all of a sudden their DBs could play. Yeah, I know where this ball is going. You know what? I'm confused confused because the bear raid, in the way that I heard Sonny Dykes present it, way back when he was hired and everything that I know about it, it's going to be a half,
2: half basically.
3: Yeah. It's half, half, but it's also about creating short, winnable down and distances. So on first down doing a quick pass so you can eat four yards and then on second, So then you have a second and six. It was about, about creating these down and distances that are manageable, not setting up second and 10, not setting up third and third and long. And in so doing, you have a very quick offense, but it's very efficient. And, I lo- I did I saw us in more second and tens than I was really prepared to see. I don't know.
2: My nightmare, moment, I think, is looking at the statistics, is that our D-line probably had their best game of the year. Like it's I think above and beyond Cameron Savile had one hell of a game yesterday. Um Devontae Wilson was probably the most active, like I had ever seen him. James Looney was everywhere, like absolutely everywhere. And we still gave up 200 plus yards to a running back. Like that's the that's the nightmare for me is that our D line played to the best of their ability, and yet our defense as a whole cannot hold.
3: That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't think anyone I don't think anyone can argue against the point that if you watch the game fully and you know that D line and those those the guys, if you can go watch go back and rewatch the whole game, the D line guys played outstanding football. Outstanding, absolutely astounding! Like this is the first time in a while where we're looking at the defensive statistics, and the top two guys is a D lineman and a linebacker in terms of tackling on our team. Like it's it was usually it's been it's been the Vanderbilt's, it's been the Drews, right? It's been the Rambo's, but finally it's Cameron Sappel with eight total tackles, Raymond Davison with seven total tackles, and then you have Marlon Franklin with six. I mean that's understandable, right? With a corner and. So if they throw quick passes out, it's the corner that's going to have to make the tackles, and then it's Kyrie, and then it's back to Devontae Downs who had five. He
3: had uh, a good game. Devontae. I, I thought he, he did from Hawaii versus this game. I thought he was the most improved player that I saw.
2: Yeah, and
3: I, I really think the defense
2: just at some point got gassed. I, I that's when I rewatched the game last night and I rewatched the third and fourth quarter. I didn't need to rewatch the first and second. So. I just rewatched the heartbreak of the third and fourth, but.
3: You're a brave soul.
2: Yeah. Um, (laughs) But I could definitely tell that they, they made the stops that they needed to in the third. Like we got stops. We got them to punt. We got them to get the ball back. And then what do we do? Either we go three and out or we throw a pick. And then, you know, with a three, four minute turnaround, our defense is right back out there. Playing against this team that's literally just punching you in the face over and over again, mm-hmm. and it's only a matter of time before our guys start to black out and just start to be—they just—they just got gassed. I mean, you—you you just can't keep running it down the middle and running it to the outside and expect our linebackers and D linemen to constantly be able to stay up with them. Like it's—I'm
3: with you. It's almost like it's one and two in my mind where if you're not. Um, if you don't have a more balanced attack, then you're going to run a risk of being like a quick three and out. And I I agree. Like they, we came out of the half and I think everyone on the Cal side sort of thought, you know, we're going to have to see our defense come up with some stops. And they did. They stopped someone that was very hard to stop. And then the offense didn't capitalize on it, but then more so with the quickness that you don't capitalize on it is if you're not running the football, you're not giving anyone very much time. To recover. And so our drives seem very fast, very short. It's like the problem with the quick strike offense sometimes is that in the quick nature of the offense itself, it can completely wear out the defense. And I think, yeah, the, those two are not unrelated. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely not. I mean, you.
2: yeah, if you watch football long enough, you understand the, the whole how much stamina it takes. And – you know, the no huddle offenses versus – there's a reason no huddle offenses tire out defenses, right? And there's – but that's also on the flip side, there's also a reason that big play offenses have defenses that get tired easily. Is because if you don't pull off the big play, then you're putting this onus on the defense. Like if, if you go three and out and you can't score, then that puts the onus on the defense to make another stop so that the offense gets another opportunity to try and increase the lead or get back your – Get yourself back into the game. And that, that only can hold you for so long before either side just gets tired and just breaks. You know, and it you know, like a couple years ago when we played Washington State and that was that shootout, you know, like you could definitely tell the defense on both teams were exhausted. Were absolutely gassed. But then you look at the flip side, like both offenses were We're gassed too because they're running constantly. But then that's also because we ran the spread against both teams, right? But then you flip it and you have one team that just runs it and manages the clock and just keeps pushing you, pushing you, pushing you. And then another team and your offense is just two minutes out on the field and you're back out there for another 10 minutes of just getting punished. What's going to happen in the end? Like it's either – it's either one, you're going to give up like a like a 50-yard touchdown because it's just – that's what's just going to happen, right? You're just going to get tired. Either that or you're going to start getting injuries and you're going to start getting guys that get cramped. You're going to start getting guys that won't be able to continue in the game. And that's pretty much what happened towards the end of the game. I mean you saw Cameron Saffle get a little bit of a knock um, and then you saw Donald Pumphrey with the – was it like the 50-something yarder in the third quarter? And then you saw him. You know, we had him in the three, and, uh, the third down. But then he busts, some busts out um, over the left. I think what was it like a twenty yard gain to get himself down to like the, like into the red zone, like on the eighteen yard line. Um, and that's what lost it for us. Uh, it's and a lot of people are saying the defense is terrible. Uh, yeah, they didn't make plays at the times they, they needed to, but that doesn't come hand in hand or. That's not mutually exclusive of the fact that our offense couldn't manage the clock and hold on to the ball.
3: <laughs> let's move on to the uh,
2: – <laughs> uh, Let's move on. Let's, what we did well. Yeah. What did we do well?
3: Oh, offense is not a problem for us. No. Nope. That's good. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to be able to hang in there with – I mean you look at teams like Oregon that is having – they have a suspect defense this year. SC even you know against Alabama not this week. Um, well, they
2: Alabama, SC struggled a bit at the beginning of the game too. It wasn't until like the the late second and third quarter where they started to pile on the touchdowns.
3: Yeah, well, that was on the offense side of the ball. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They look. They, oh my god. They don't look great. So yeah, I mean that's kind of cool. Like there's some there's some positives to take from the offense's massive output and we're going to see the impact that Spadal is having on um, all of our players and to see, I think, Demetrius Robertson come out and have that awesome first touchdown of his career at Cal and set the table for what is next with him. A lot of positives on that side of the ball. And defensively, you're right. Like The defense took a bad rap from me included. I was actually more upset with the defense in the first half than I was in the second half. Um, Just because I felt like they were arm tackling a lot and just their form. Like a lot of guys trying to lean a shoulder in when they could have rapped and didn't really make a lot of sense to me. In the second half, they kind of tightened up a little bit and it really wasn't on them. It really wasn't. It was on the offense. So there are some positives on the defense side of all. I think your point about the defensive line and their game is is spot on.
2: Yeah, I mean, how they bounce back from this week I think is going to be... A big, big tone center for the rest of the season.
3: wasn't an impossible matchup.
2: Yeah, I mean, because you look at it and you go, "All right." You look at the individual things, right? You not don't look at the game as a whole against the San Diego State team, but you look at the individual. Don't look at their offense. Don't look at their defense. Just look at our defensive stats by player and our offensive stats by player. It's solid. It's that's not bad. I mean, the only like you could take away, you know, maybe one or two interceptions. Davis Webb, right? You could maybe, maybe con- convert uh, maybe one more touchdown instead of a field goal. But all in all, like the guys ran well. Like Vic ran for seventy two yards on ten carries. Trey ran for twenty four. Um, you know, we had guys that you know Hanson had one hundred ninety yards. Warden had eighty six. Robertson had eighty one. Bug had forty six. Uh, like you. Like all in all, it was it was, and then you look at, of course, the tackling which we read earlier. Like Saffel had seven tackles, uh, Raymond had or eight tackles. Raymond had seven, and Devontae Downs had five. Like statistically, like that that should result in a win. But what was like, I don't know. If it was any other opponent, would this if you kept this stat line, wouldn't it have been a win? I I would believe so. I mean, I can't give you a guarantee, but I would believe so. I think that it's enough to get yourself a victory, right? And you score 40. So, yeah. I, well, what did we do well, though? <laughs> yeah, I know. What did we do well?
3: Uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> you had one earlier about our kicker. <laughs> yeah.
2: What did we do well? Our onside kicking was spun on.
3: Um, no, I mean Matt Anderson
2: Oh, yes um, What did we do? Well, kicking is not an issue Kicking is no longer on the forefront of Like like dread <laughs> Like every time we have to kick a field goal Like there's no I don't dread field goals anymore More often than not, I'm like, oh, we're kicking a field goal Okay, like I'm going to go grab a drink Like, it, it, I, like I already know it's going in <laughs> Like it, that's how comfortable I am With Matt Anderson kicking field goals now
3: My routine used to be like double crossed fingers, like head down, not watching the TV. Please don't (laughs) tell me if he doesn't go in. Yeah, he seems to be pretty automatic.
2: Yeah, he hasn't missed the season. Uh, I don't think he's missed since I think three games from last season until now. So, kids on a roll. I'm happy with it. I'm fine with it. Me too. Uh, Lord. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to the other Pac-12 games of this of this week. Uh, let me just read you through the scores, Andy. Just give me your thoughts if you watch this game okay. and so on. Okay. Uh, we'll start with the first one. Number eight, Washington hosting Idaho. Washington wins 59-14. Yeah, I watched.
3: They smashed. It wasn't any <laughs> fun to watch. I had the game on and literally it was like, ah, let's go to the pool after the first half. Was
2: it Ted Miller? I think it was Ted Miller, uh, ESPN. He tweeted out. He said, yeah, this game was competitive for the first 14 seconds.
3: It, I read somewhere that someone said, don't sleep on Idaho. And so I was like, okay, I'll watch this game. Uh, and we slept on Idaho. And <laughs> Idaho, yeah, we slept the opposite way. right? Yeah. I yeah, think it'd be better. So yeah. that wasn't any fun to watch. They were. They looked really good.
2: Jake Browning, 23 of 28, 294 yards and five Pretty touchdowns. Easy efficiency. Yeah. All right, next one. Number 24, Oregon hosting Virginia. Oregon wins 44-26.
3: Yeah, I got to watch a little bit of it. I got to see that real nice like third-down third, third down conversion. Um, but Oregon has a real problem on defense, which gives me some excitement for that game. It's going it's to be another
2: shootout. I mean, Royce Freeman had 207 yards on 21 carries and two touchdowns. Uh, Devin Allen had 141 yards receiving on four receptions in the touchdown. My. Yeah. All right, next one. SC hosting Utah State. SC
3: wins 45-7. Watch a little bit of this. SC's offense looks terrible. Um, but then they got it going finally. They finally got it together. But their offense was underwhelming in its efficiency at the beginning of the football game.
2: Yeah, I mean, end of the first quarter it was 7-0. Seven, seven so I was like, oh, this, this might have some, some upset brewing. Um,
3: I think they have a two-quarterback situation going now at SC's, is what they said. So that's it's something to watch.
2: Mm-hmm. It's definitely something to watch. All right, and then Colorado hosting Idaho State. Colorado wins fifty six to seven. Did you watch? No, this wasn't on TV. Um, at least in <laughs> our in our area, no matter what channel I look for, this was not on uh, TV. It but doesn't
3: even have a video recap.
2: No, it doesn't. Uh, Lufo passed for two hundred and four yards, two touchdowns. He was fifteen of eighteen. Amazing efficiency. Yeah, once again. Alright, yeah, not much to talk about. But You're I mean bad
3: opponent to play, right? Idaho State dropped 56 points, everyone's feeling good.
2: Yeah. But they're still two and there's they're two and oh.
3: Yeah. They're
2: two and oh. Alright, the next one, the Holy War. Utah scraped one out against BYU 20 to 19. Did you watch? I watched a little bit of the end of it. Um and my god, Utah like barely scraped it out. But I mean personally, I thought Utah had this in the bag in the beginning of the game. Like I thought this was their game. Um, but BYU was relentless on defense and would not give it up until the end of the game. Um,
3: I don't think that we have a decent shot against Utah. I think we do, too.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think their quarterback situation is still a, a bit messy. Um, he's not uh, the same guy as Wilson was. So, And they don't have – I mean, they're, they have a great running back. But at the same time, he's not the same running back that Devontae Booker was. So we'll see how that one plays out. UNLV at UCLA uh, UCLA wins 42-21 to 21.
3: Watched a bit of it I'm still not impressed with UCLA No, no, I'm not impressed with Josh Rosen at all either You don't think so? I thought he looked better this game But I guess his dad's argue otherwise
2: Yeah, I mean I really thought UNLV could have pulled off the upset If it wasn't for the 21.2nd quarter that UCLA had um, Otherwise it was a pretty competitive game It, Yeah, it was a shootout to a certain degree and then, oh, this one. Oh, this one was – I mean, I don't know how else to describe it, but I'm not looking forward to two weeks from now.
3: You're taking the over. That's, yeah, that's yeah, no,
2: no. All right. Uh, that's
3: going be so fun. Texas – is going to be like 70 for each team. <laughs> Texas Tech at Arizona State. Arizona State – squeaks out the win
2: 68-55. I don't know it's it's a 13-point game so I don't know how you can say you squeaked it out but in the, in terms of this game in terms of like the points scored you squeaked it out if you if you won by 13. Um and Kalen Ballage had 13 carries for 137 yards and two touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes, who is who is now taking over the quarterback job at Texas Tech for Davis Webb.
3: No, Baylor had seven touchdowns. Oh, that, oh sorry. Seven touchdowns. My mistake. 13 carries for 137 <laughs> yeah. yards. Seven seven touchdowns. That's right. So touchdowns. seven touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes had five touchdowns too
2: on uh, 38, 38 completions on 53 attempts for 540 yards. I watched a bit of this. Kaitlin um, looks scary. <laughs> Like I could, this was one of those ones where it was like you were squinting while you watched because you couldn't tell whether it was the defense that was bad or if it was Ballish that was this good. I'm willing to bet
3: it's the latter. Mm-hmm. I'm more. I'm yeah, yeah. How bad could Texas Tech's defense be? To, Obviously,
2: bad <laughs> like you can't be you can't be bad to the point of giving up 137 yards on 13 carries. All right, we'll move on to the next one. Washington State goes to Boise Idaho to play on the blue turf. They lose thirty-one to twenty-eight. Did you watch? I watched a bit of it. I watched the beginning.
3: I watched the end. I oh did okay a simulcast uh, with the Cal game <laughs> and this game. Um, uh, I watched the beginning and I thought I thought this
2: was oh god like Washington's going to get blown out like this was not going to be a fun one and Washington State's going to be down zero and two to start the season which the zero and two part I was. I was dead on right, but uh, they were going to get blown out. No, I was dead wrong.
3: They got the ball back with an interception and had a chance to bring take it down the field and uh, position to tie the game, and then couldn't do it. But it was really it was really exciting, really exciting. I, I agree. I looked up at it and was like, "Wow!" All right, 17-0, Boise State, and then
2: yeah. yeah, the volcano the volcano explodes for four hundred eighty yards and four touchdowns.
3: I'm taking the over in every single Cal game.
2: <laughs> And then, of course, the Cal game. And then, of course, the last one of the of the Pac-12 week this week is Grambling State at Arizona. Arizona wins 31-21. to 21. Shocker. <laughs> Arizona was down 21-3. Yeah, they were. They were. They were. Going into halftime, they were down
3: 21-3. I thought Grambling was going to win that game. <laughs> I went to sleep thinking Grambling had won. Wow. Yeah. I, it was – talking to my buddies like what has happened at Arizona Chad
2: Williams Grambling State had 13 receptions for 152 yards so I think that paced their offense Mm -hmm. but halftime adjustments I'm telling you man halftime adjustments are huge uh no matter what you say halftime adjustments like it's I don't know what it is that you say in halftime adjustments maybe it's what you say like uh what James Winston said to FSU this uh, last week. I'm oh, sorry, Beach. Basically, the line was, "We ain't puppies,
3: we dogs," and then that got everyone fired up. I think I think the halftime adjustments why it matters so much is because you still don't know. It's like you're finally getting to see what the opponent's throwing at you. Yep. So you actually have the first time to adjust, and you give it that time to come together and be like, "Okay, based on these adjustments, this is how we're going to change." And so. That's why they're so important, is because if you are off on those, then you're gonna get you're gonna get beat. But the biggest thing is with halftime adjustments is not putting yourself down ten, yeah. and through turnovers. And that's like that could like explain the Cal game as a whole. We had a nice halftime adjustment, especially on the defensive side of the ball. We just didn't put ourselves in a position to win at that point. And those ten points that we put ourselves down by, or even like you know if you're going to talk about turnovers and kick returns it's like you know 14 points that we essentially said here would you like this
2: ball security ball security ball security ball security
3: that's all pretty right. much it we got texas that's it that's what we're talking about next preview of this week We got texas so here's what we got all right here we go 335 yes can't see that yep. They run it as well woohoo with bigger faster back, faster stronger <laughs> Can't wait. Harder,
2: better, faster, stronger. That is what we're up against. I'm terrified.
3: It's not going to be like last year. It's
2: It's not. For those wondering, this is not the same Texas team. It might be the same. You might see some of the same names, right? You might see some of the same names on both sides of the ball. Not the same team. Not at all. Charlie Strong is one hell of a football coach. And I'm dead scared that we're going to get blown out in our home opener like we have no momentum at home whatsoever right now like even if we had won the San Diego State game right the fact that we didn't have like one of those like feel good against FCS school type victories it doesn't help
3: yeah I feel like because of the game and the way it went San Diego State you're gonna have a bunch of the grabby old blues sitting in the stadium being like all right how's it gonna go bad this time yeah. versus you know, some level of momentum coming into it that's gonna be me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right there, right next to me, like, oh, we're gonna get blown out this time. <laughs>
2: well, to, the both of us are gonna be sitting up in the booth, and we're just gonna be looking at each other, shaking our heads. Oh
3: <laughs> my gosh, we're about this on the podcast. <laughs> I'm scared, dude. I'm real scared. I like tried to watch a little bit of their game. They look really good on the defensive side of the ball, and their offense is way different than what we saw last year. Mm-hmm. They actually have an offense. They actually have a passer. Yeah. So, um, I want to believe that. I mean, the one big takeaway is that San Diego State's defense had been incredible against the pass, incredible against the run. As of last season, they didn't lose many players, so their expectation for their season going forward should be as high as it is, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So, if we can do that against that tier of a defense, then maybe that sets the standard that we have an un tapped potential for our offensive production for the rest of the year. Doesn't take away the defense defense and special teams and turnover issues, but there is at least like the saving grace from all of this, which was a tough weekend of college football is that the offense can carry us yep. through games. And we at least have that chance because if it wasn't for that, if we went to San Diego, if we went to San Diego state and the game had continued the way it, started uh, the first half went where it's 31-21 and let's say they held us a couple times and all of a sudden it's you know 40-20 San Diego State wins I don't think there's too much you can take into this Texas game and say you know we have a shot with but with the offense playing the way it is I think there is a fair you can come in and say that you know this upcoming Saturday we do have a legitimate chance to throw a pretty hefty figure up on the board and and win that game yeah, I mean,
2: it's one of those situations of how quickly can you get over this loss? And as it stands right now, I hope we do. Um, the whole mentality of every game like, you know, take a take it at a game at a time, right? That doesn't mean just looking forward. That also means looking back and looking back at these games. Yeah, take all the adjustments and all the right things you need, but get rid of the the feeling that you lost. Get rid of the revenge feeling. Like, get rid of The fact that you guys almost had it, but you guys didn't—like, just drop all of those feelings and literally just take the game and go over your game tape just rationally, right? This is the throw I should have made, but I didn't. I made this throw. I'm not going to make that throw anymore. Like, just take it rationally. Don't don't put the emotions into it and just move on to this game because this game is—I don't know how else to describe it—but they are coming for us. Like, they lost in Austin last year it, because of a missed PAT. They are coming for our heads in this one.
3: Let it be known we, we would have won that game anyways. Yes. Because we had Jerry Goff. Yes.
2: And the, oh, oh, beep, oh, beep. And that gif, of course, amazing. <laughs> um, but that's what I mean. We can't have anything lingering going into this game. We can't have any lingering depression we can't have any lingering doubt. We can't have any lingering anger towards other teammates for possibly not winning. This has to be its own game. And I talked to Vic uh, about two weeks before they left for Texas. Uh, before, not Texas. Before they left for Australia. And I asked him about this game. And he said <laughs> – I, I wrote about this in my uh, thing uh, – what's it? My practice re- schedule already – or recaps already, but – he said, I have a calendar in front of my desk. I have every game day circled. That weekend, it circled, it starred, it's asterisk. Like Texas has – like no matter what, Texas – that Texas game holds a special meaning for me. Like it's, it's playing against those guys, playing against guys that I played in high school, playing against guys that I played with in high school um, and playing against that – I don't know that trademark Texas team, right? And the fact that they're coming into our house now is they feel a little more pride now. They already beat them in Austin. They, I think, they kind of feel that whole. If we beat them at home too, which we have the ability to do, right? Which they they believe that they have the ability to do so. That's that's insane. Like that's it's a crazy like that's a crazy achievement um as much as I don't want to put Texas up on a pedestal they're still a, a perennial powerhouse in terms of football like the just with the recruits that they pull in every year it's it's simply astounding how good they could be every year um and so it's just one of those situations where forget the record forget that we're one and one forget that you know this could this could like turn our season down into like a a five and seven season instead of a seven and five season. Forget all that. At this point, just play for your pride. At this point, just face Texas. Play Texas for the sake of playing Texas. Like it. Play to beat that orange jersey, right? And then, and then we'll figure out the other stuff later. Yeah, like this, large. this game should be in its own little micro. Climate environment Right It's It should be in its own little sphere Like no, It doesn't It it shouldn't matter Like forget about all the outside talk Like just beat Texas Like I think that should be the mentality Going into this game
3: Dude my think My heart goes out to perfect Because If He gets 10 Bullshit carries <laughs> Like against Texas In a game that he wants That badly I feel my fuel for the dude man Like Ah, I mean, it's not just him from Texas either, right? Like, we can't only give him 10 carries that game, especially we can't. when he wants that back, because that's, that's, just, that's just a bad look. I mean, got to give those... Man, Marshall Lynch is mentoring him. Yeah, you're right. Uh, there's no reason to look any further than the next game ahead, but this one is definitely the biggest game ahead in the next you know, three weeks, maybe a month. Yeah. So... Um, it's huge. First time forty six years yeah. or so that they're coming to Berkeley, and uh, they're coming off a brutal loss at home, and we got to, you know, hopefully fill up fifty percent of that stadium with Cal fans. But the way that the athletic ticketing office has been sending out those promos, I don't know. I don't yeah, know how well it's been selling. Mm-hmm. So, it's going to be interesting to see if it's like an Ohio State feel where it felt like 70 to 80% of the stadium was Ohio State fans. Or like a SCLA game up here. Yeah, where we get a 50 50 balance. Yeah. I get a 50 50 balance, get a couple touchdowns going, get the fans into it, kind of like revive what football game days really used to feel like. At Memorial? Yeah. Then, then, I mean, that'd be a big net positive for us.
2: I mean, you and I, you know, remember from our years that in 2007 against the Tennessee Volunteers like that the atmosphere at that game was
3: crazy all time for me it's it's time.
2: for me it's in my top 3 like sport events I've ever attended in terms of just the environment right yeah cuz not it, it wasn't that the environment was so good just because it was
3: packed with Cal fans it was there was a good enough contingent of Tennessee fans there It was just such a big game to start the season off with. And it's so much momentum on each side in regards to the two teams and where we were at last year and setting the tone for, I mean, incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, I hope we get that feel. If we can just get that feel back, that's – if you have a recruit in the building, even if it's a loss, that's a win. You know, that's like the game where – Okay, say we do lose to go to one and two, and then we bounce back against Arizona State. All right, shrug it off. Two okay. and two to
2: start the season, not bad. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's better like than what we expected.
3: It doesn't have to be a must-win. I just think it has to be a competitive ball game because that's what's going to inspire the fan base. And that's, like, I don't mean to be too much of a Debbie Downer, and I really try not to be because I like the approach that Sonny and our program takes with our players and graduation rates and all that. But I do get a little concerned that it seems like our ceiling for this program right now is like maybe an eight win team. Yeah, I just think that I need to readjust my expectations for Cal football right now. And that's just the way it is. And I'm fine going eight and four every year. If our kids are graduating, that's fine. But there is a part of me that wants our potential to be a 10 win team and to have higher aspirations than, you know, I, I don't want to look yeah. at seven and five and say, Yeah, every year I'm fine with that. There's yeah, certain I mean, key wins that matter, but yeah,
2: I mean that's looking at the broader aspect of the program. You know, I mean the big the big question surrounding those, you know, the fans with your mentality and, and I, I'm with you sometimes with that, that I'm okay with that, but is is it really okay for us to be selling for mediocrity? Like can we not be can we not ask for more? Is it too much? To be wanting more. I mean granted if we want more and desire more. We're going to have to. Our, we're going to be let down a lot more too. Right. You
3: That's know? what I'm talking about. Consistently let down. So maybe we need to lower
2: our expectations. One of one You're of right. the key phrases that my dad taught me throughout, throughout growing up. Is reach for the stars. Because if you fail. You'll land in the clouds. That's the mentality we have to use. We're. We're reaching for the cookie jar on the shelf because we don't want to hit the floor too hard. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we're worried about getting a bruise. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, but this ta- uh, this is huge. I mean, and Andy and I will have we'll be up in the box on Sat on Saturday. Uh, we might do a live show from there. Um, we're still working on that, but
3: honestly, it depends if we win or lose. If we win, I think it'd be great. If we lose, <laughs> if this week we Andy need a vacation, day. <laughs> Yeah, need some separation between the loss and when we record. There was a whole lot more negative thoughts in my head last night than there are today.
2: Yeah. All right, but what's your prediction for the Texas game
3: before we move on? Um, Cal wins fifty-five to forty-five. Yeah, W at home. We get the season going, right? I mean, that seems so silly to say now because like, it's a – I used to fully – like I've been saying we're going to beat Texas at home to every person that asks, whether it's on Conquest Chronicles podcast, whether it was on the ESPN radio. We're going to beat Texas. We're going to beat Texas. So, yeah, we're going to beat Texas. 60-45. 60-45.
2: We're dropping 60 on Texas. I'm calling it right now. It's a hot take. Hot take of the week. And Davis Webb will beat Jared Goff's single game passing yard record. As long as he doesn't throw any more picks.
1: Mm-hmm. Five touchdowns
2: is great. Five touchdowns is great. We love Franklin. All right. All right. We'll move on. A uh, little preview of the other Pac-12 games going on. Um, let me just read you the games, Andy. Tell me if you're interested in this game. Um, and if not, you're not. But if you are, what are you interested about it? So there's a Friday night game, Arizona State at Texas-San Antonio, Friday 6.30 p.m. on ESPN2. Not interested. All right. Next one, Saturday, September 17th, Saturday 11 a.m., Idaho at Washington State on Pac-12 Network.
3: Semi-interested, but Washington State's going to smash.
2: Next one, Saturday 12.30 p.m., Colorado at Michigan on BTN.
3: Yeah, I'll be watching that (laughs) for sure.
2: What's the reason you'll be watching that?
3: Harbaugh, man. Love it. (laughs) His teams are so good. Like, oh my goodness, Michigan is so, so good. I texted my buddy. I was watching the Michigan game and I was like, yeah, so Michigan's awful this year. (laughs) He texted me back and goes, "Uh, we beat Hawaii by more than you did. I was like, come on. You guys are clearly joking here. Anyways, they're still a little bit sensitive apparently over there. I guess they are. Well,
2: yeah. They haven't had much bright days. True. Next one, Saturday, 12.30 p.m., number 22, Oregon at Nebraska on ABC.
3: Yeah, outside of SC Stanford in Stanford and our game, this is the game I want to watch. Mike Riley versus Oregon. Civil, civil war, but not civil war. Right, with better recruits for Mike Riley. See if the talent can really make a difference. To me, Oregon loses this game.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think Oregon loses this game in Nebraska, too. Next one, 2 p.m. Pacific, uh, Idaho State at Oregon State on Pac-12 Network. Fast. <laughs> 5 p.m. Portland State at number eight Washington on Pac-12 Network. Pass. I will. I might actually watch this one just to see how much Washington score on an FCS team. I think that's that's the reason for me. I'd watch this. What is?
3: Why is Washington playing just the most patty cake schedule of all time to start off their season? I just. I. I mean,
2: most of this like preseason scheduling happens like what, like two, three years in advance. I just think maybe they thought that they wouldn't be as good as they thought they would be.
3: Yeah, their schedule is – well, I mean, well, luckily for them, the Pac-12 is so good, it will make up for it. Yeah. So their strength of schedule will still look really nice, but yeah. they have played nobody.
2: Yeah. By the way, our strength of schedule is the fifth high, uh, hardest in the country.
3: It's not getting any easier with Ole Miss next year.
2: Nope, nope. All right, the next one, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific, USC at number seven, Stanford on ABC.
3: Yeah, fully expect Stanford to smash, but I'm going to enjoy watching – see lose and then hopefully somehow Stanford will lose as well so then that'd be a good day.
2: I'm curious is this is a Pac-12 game, correct? correct. Like it's it is a it counts as your conference win loss. It's yes. not they didn't schedule it as a quote-unquote out of conference. Correct?
3: The only way that possibly could have happened is if they weren't supposed to play each other this year this year. But I no, it has to be. Yeah. Cuz
2: I think yeah, cuz I'm just cuz all the other teams are playing still non-conference opponents, but yet they are, but I'm I'm 99% sure the reason this is how it is is because I think Stanford plays Notre Dame huh. as the final game of the season, mm-hmm. so it it just pushes their schedule okay. uh,
3: weirdly. That makes
2: sense. All right, next one 7:15 p.m. UCLA at BYU on ESPN2.
3: I guess Maybe it's worth watching, but by that time, we're going to be all invested in the Cal game anyways.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean we might be watching from the monitors when we're up there because they'll probably have some of the other games on. But yeah. the only reason I want to watch this game is to see a gauge because if, if BYU they kept on- it close against Utah yeah, and if, they, if BYU keeps it close against UCLA as well, then that tells you just transit property alone, UCLA isn't as good as
3: we think they are. Who did BYU play week one? By the way, didn't they beat someone good? They did. I just can't remember who. Okay. Um, the next one, uh, seven
2: thirty, Utah at San Jose State on on CBS SN. I mean, we'll be at the stadium by then, so I mean, <laughs> and most people uh, that are listening to this will probably have uh, ESPN turned on, anyways. Uh, seven thirty p.m. Texas at California. Yes, ESPN. Yes, yeah, I said. I guess I'll watch that one. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it we have to be forced into it. Yeah. We might go to the stadium, I'm just not sure yet, right? We we might. <laughs> uh, next one, seven forty five Pacific
3: Hawaii at Arizona, Pac twelve Network. Hawaii won last week or this week? No, they lost. Why does it say one and two? Oh, they won this week. What did they play? Uh,
2: they played at home against. Um, I you know I just it it's. Uh, I, I looked it up too. I just can't remember off the top of my head. This will be
3: an interesting. I would like to maybe watch the highlights from this one to see if Hawaii just a gauge Arizona close. Yeah. I mean, wow. Their schedule sucks. <laughs> I can not believe any worse schedule where you go all the way to Australia, then back to Michigan, then back to Hawaii, then back to Arizona. Like, man.
2: And this isn't even like you're flying to Michigan, right? You flew from You flew from Honolulu to Sydney, then back to Honolulu couple days later, fly out to Ann Arbor, Michigan, and then back to Honolulu, play a game in Honolulu, and then a couple days later, fly out to Tucson, and then back to Honolulu.
3: They played UTM, the Skyhawks, and yeah. they won 41-36. All right. So there you have it. it Who is UTM? I have no idea. University of Toronto, Massachusetts. University of Texas El Matador. And next week, we'll figure out who UTM is. (laughs) (laughs) That's a question for next week. (laughs) All right. Well, that pretty much
2: wraps it up for us this week. Um, There's no basketball news. Uh, One little side note. um, Actually, two little side notes. One little side note. Uh, I just remember this as we were talking about the Texas game When we were talking about recruits. From what I understand, um, if you are Cal rivals or Cal scout – um, you've probably seen this on the message boards, but from what I understand, there's supposed to be quite a bit of recruits on their official visits for the Texas game, um, and that's not, you know, weird. The the crazier thing, it's not just football, basketball, really basketball, yeah. yeah, but football. There's going to be officials, and there will be a bunch of unofficials too. Which means, which means, I'm, I'm not sure about this. I this is totally just my thought process. If it means unofficial players will be there as well, that means that the those guys are guys where they're paying to come, right? To like visit the school. Like it's not like the red carpet where they fly them out, like have them stay, and you know they do that whole the whole recruiting spiel. This is just they're coming for the day to you know enjoy the school and have that feel. So it has to be one families that are relatively close, right? Um, Or like even like down to L.A. is like doable, right, to drive up. So if I'm thinking, all right, big game against Texas, unofficial visits, still has to be interested in the school, but most likely has to be local. Who would come? Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. You know, there's a better run the freaking football. I'll tell you that. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I was thinking last night, man.
2: Yeah. Uh, We'll just leave it at that. We're not sure who will be there. But the run game better be heavily involved against Texas and on full show. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, and just to wrap up, of course, we're recording on Sunday. Uh, today is September 11th. Um, today is the 15th and 15th anniversary of uh, the Twin Tower attacks um, in New York. And – yeah, we just want to take this time for all the families, or if you know anyone or was affected personally by this. I I personally am. Um, I haven't yet, but I have to call a friend because he lost his father in the in the twin tower attacks. Um, or oh. so. Yeah. So this this day is it's it's as it's pretty connected. It's more connected than you think. You might not think that you know anyone, but. That like our or you might not have lost someone personally, but it's it's going to be easy to find someone that knows someone and that the, was affected. The, by the
3: spirit it. of Cal too. I mean, United ninety three. Exactly. A lot of a lot of old blues on that flight. Yeah. So yeah, uh, we just want to send
2: out our thoughts, our condolences, our prayers, and just um, yeah, just if you're affected by it, just know that we're supportive. We're supportive of our. Our military were supportive of of all the firefighters and and of all the, the first responders. First responders all the, that. the rescue dogs. Now, you and I are both we are both dog owners, so those the rescue dog stories are just those are heartbreaking and heartwarming to read about. Um and yeah, yeah. I don't know I don't know how to wrap it up. <laughs> I don't know how to wrap up talking about this type of thing. Uh but yeah. So, yeah, you can find all our writing stuff on CaliforniaGoldenBlogs.com. You can find me on Twitter at Rob11HWNG. You can find Andy on Twitter now. Finally, Andy is on Twitter. You
3: can find him at AndyJBeastMode. There it is. I'm honestly not convinced that I say anything on there that's worthwhile. No, no. literally just me (laughs) bitching and complaining. (laughs) So if that's not convincing enough. That's
2: 99% of all the Cal followers that – Tweet at me or
3: follow me So I've enjoyed tweeting at Adams Because he and I are on the scene <laughs> <laughs> uh, But yeah, that pretty much wraps it up for our show We
2: actually had gotten in contact with A uh, a Cal alum Who is a Fantasy football podcaster for the NFL Network I think he's Korean as well We tweeted at him the other day And we asked him if he wanted to come on the pod And he said, I've been waiting for this for 17 years <laughs> Uh, so we'll work it out with him to get him on the pod as well, and uh, that'd be pretty. That'll be pretty fun. I mean, we can talk some fantasy football. Uh, we can talk some Cal, you know, in the NFL fantasy football, and talk about just what his thoughts are on the Cal Bears and all that good stuff. Since he is a football guru in pretty much all aspects of the world compared to us who are are we even amateurs? Like, are we even like what's below guru? Oh, it's four below guru. <laughs> What's what's underground under guru? <laughs> yeah. It's like that famous uh, Moneyball Moneyball thing, right? Like the league is here, and then we're here. We're in single A, yeah. And nice. then there's there's this much crap, and then there's us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, that wraps it up for us. Uh, we'll be back next week after Texas uh, to give you the recap and a preview of the Arizona State game as well. And don't don't. Uh, don't forget to also uh, listen to Nam and Scott's podcast that comes on on Tuesdays. Um, that's just an hour long, just on football alone. They're only recording during football season. So they're, they're pretty much like an hour long feature on just football. So please be sure to subscribe to them and listen to theirs as well. We're all part of one big California golden blocks family. So uh, listen to theirs. Their podcast is pretty good too. If you want more in-depth analysis of the game um, and more hot takes. All right. And that wraps it up for us. And as always go bears, go bears. You know it, why you tell the story? Why you tell the whole damn world, this is bad territory. You know it, why you tell the story? Why you tell the whole damn world,
1: this is bad territory. You know it, why you tell the story? Why you tell the whole damn world, this is bad territory. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about.